This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Plenty to get to today. Be joined in a little bit here by Dave St. Peter, Twins president. All sorts of things I wanted to talk to Dave about, including falling Twins TV ratings. Wanted to get his uh, thoughts on you know the surge of COVID amid the Delta variant and what that might mean for Twins conversations going forward and, and his level of concern over several things related to that. Um, and talk to him a little bit about some good stuff going on, too, with the Twins. I know this has been a tough year for them. He readily admits that, but he also has some good things to share as well. We'll get to the Field of Dreams game, which, uh, by all accounts, was a tremendous success for baseball, which could use a good story. And I'll give you my top five sports movie ranking of all time. And it's a little bit of a subjective list, of course, and it's more movies that I like uh, maybe more than cinematic masterpieces in, in some cases. So be ready for that uh, towards the end of the show. But first, what did I miss? I'm going to try a new thing here. I'm going to call it Dings of Concern. <laughs> um, sometimes when I debut a new segment and promise to do it on occasion, I only end up doing it once or twice. So we'll see how often I end up doing this. But the Vikings got another piece of bad news on... Uh, on Thursday when it was revealed, reported by uh, multiple outlets, including the Star Tribune, our Ben Gessling, and Andrew Kramer, reporting that uh, Christian Derisaw, Vikings' number one uh, first-round draft pick in 2021, had another surgery on his uh, on his core, on his, uh, you know, his, his, has been having that groin problem since the uh, the beginning of, uh, basically since, you know, since January is when he had his first surgery for it. And uh, and now he needed another one. Now report was you know in our in our paper and online was that he was optimism that uh, that he could be ready for week one. Although you know you wonder at this point that's a month away, and that uh, you know he's missing a ton of reps in in you know in in camp. And Mike Zimmer didn't sound terribly optimistic or happy about any of it either. Here was his quote: "That's what the doctor said, but I don't know." Uh, about uh, Derisaw being ready for the season opener, which is September 12th in Cincinnati, less than a month away now. Uh, they tell me one thing, and it ends up being something else. I don't know. His later quote, too, about uh, the injury. It was taken care of in January. We didn't expect this. Um, so that's just one of many things that's uh, that's been plaguing the Vikings this uh, early on this camp, You know, even even before that. And I'm going to go through all of them that I can remember, that I can recount, that I can find, um, and just play a little ominous uh, ominous sound effect, a little ominous ding, I guess, um, before I talk about each one. And I'll circle back on Derisaw so we can get a ding of concern on that one as well. Okay, you heard that first ding. That is for Rick Dennison having to move from offensive line coach to a consultant role with the team because he wouldn't get the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, you know, that that could work out just fine if, uh, if, if continuity comes into place. But this is the single most important unit on the field for the Vikings this year, as far as I'm concerned. This is the area that needs an upgrade in a big way that's been a problem for years. You're taking away the position coach at a very late stage and how is that going to play out the rest of the season? So that was that was a big-time concern of mine and still is. 
you know, staying with COVID, obviously you had the quarterbacks missing a bunch of time with uh, you know not being vaccinated. Kellen Mond getting COVID and you know, causing some close contacts in that quarterback room among those who aren't vaccinated, presumably, which still includes starter Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, along the way with that, we got the news that uh, the Vikings, at least at the moment, at least at that time when the story was being reported, had the lowest vaccination rate in the league. That's concerning because that, you know, A, you want Vikings players to be safe. B, you don't know how that's going to play out for the rest of the year. If they're close contacts of other people who get COVID, they could miss games. They could, you know, they could get COVID and, and get into a bad situation. So concern level high on that one as well. One of them coming into camp that I was concerned about was Michael Pierce's calf injury. Now that one seems to be have have been resolved, at least at the moment. He seems like he's back at full strength. I was worried that was going to be a lingering injury. I'll still keep my eye on any kind of setbacks, things like that. But for now, that concern at least has been um, you know, pushed aside for the most part. You got Justin Jefferson's shoulder injury, which again, deemed minor. But, you know, Mike Zimmer being honest about it says, you hear one thing, you, you sometimes the the end the end result ends up being something else now i think we mentioned on the access vikings podcast on thursday you know jefferson's been doing you know some light work he's been on the field at least he's not in a sling so you know it, it seems like a, an injury that's you know not months that could be multiple weeks but even if it's that he should be back in time for the season opener but still a concern when one of your top playmakers, one of your top offensive skill position players picks up a quick camp injury and isn't able to get his work in and really has, you know, the potential for re-injury as well. I hate to lump this in with all the others, but the Jeff Gladney situation and his release after the indictment on grand jury charges. Uh, yeah, uh, not much more to say about that other than that was a, uh, that's a major concern, the off-field stuff for the Vikings. Um, wasted draft pick from 2020, first round pick, not getting a lot from those first round picks right now, aside from Justin Jefferson in the past several years. And of course, Derisaw, which we talked about at the, at the jump, um, you know, Hey, the offensive line, like I said, this is a very important thing, uh, for them. They got to get this right. And if you drafted this guy in the first round, you're expecting him to come in and be kind of a a plug-and-play starter unless something really bad happens. And, you know, injury is one of those things. You know, he could be effective when he's here, but if he's if he can't get in the lineup, you know, then you're talking about Rashad Hill being your starter, at least at the start of the year. Rashad Hill picked up a little minor injury, it sounds like, on Thursday as well. So the depth of that offensive line already being tested. Remember, they cut Riley Reef, who was their second-best lineman last year. They're kind of going... You know, younger, they've got draft picks up and down that line. You feel good about Brian O'Neill. You feel like Ezra Cleveland probably has a decent future. You're not sure about Garrett Bradbury. You're hoping Ole Udo can, ha- can you know, lock down one of those guard spots because Wyatt Davis, you know, hasn't shown much yet. Your other, you know, top, you know, top three round pick of 2021 um, you try not to play Dakota Dozier again in that spot. You want him in a backup role. And then Rashad Hill instead of Christian Derrissaw. So a unit that struggled last season that has struggled in past seasons. I don't see right now how it's any better than it was last year. In fact, unless things come together in a certain kind of way, it could be worse. So that is my biggest ding of concern right now. And it goes, in, goes hand in hand with the position coach change at the start of the year. And we'll add some dings as I see fit throughout the course of the preseason and into the season.
I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to have Dave St. Peter, Twins president on Daily Delivery today, fellow North Dakotan, always a gracious interviewee. Um, he's talked to my sports journalism class at the University of Minnesota several times and uh, hasn't been a guest on this show yet, though, because maybe I've been saving him up for the right moment. Uh, Dave, welcome. How are you doing? Well, it, well, it, it's long overdue to be on the show, but you know, I'm, I'm sure I will bring whatever listenership or viewership you have down. So <laughs> good to be with you today, Michael. And uh, it's always an honor to go speak to that class at the University of Minnesota. It's one of my favorite days of the year. So well, I appreciate I, that, and I appreciate your uh, your time today. And this is sweeps week. It's not really, but it, it, you're. <laughs> I'm I'm counting on you to boost uh, the boost traffic, not no. drag it down. So All right, no pressure, but I'll do uh, my yeah, best. No pressure, no pressure. The the. The, the premise the you know the the when I reached out the the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was a report in Forbes and I think this was late last week by this point um, you know that had TV ratings for all the regional you know all the teams you know, primarily the regional sports channels and you know what what the ratings are household numbers and it you know it showed a pretty dramatic drop for the twins on Valley Sports North in 2021, basically close to a 50% drop since last season, more than a 50% drop, you know, from over 100,000 households to like 49,000 this year between the last full season of, of 21 and 19. Um, maybe we can start there. I mean, I, you don't have to give me the, um, you can either, you can confirm roughly that those numbers are correct. And if they are, um, what's your what's your take on on the why is what i kind of want to drill down on today yeah well michael i appreciate the opportunity and yeah i mean that our numbers i think the last time i looked we were down 47 or 48 percent year over year in terms of uh, local viewership and you know that's a significant decline now that said we we have seen historically some some major swings up or down just you know, two years ago, I think we had a 66% increase year over year. So the number one driving force in that is, is the win-loss record. And, and unfortunately, uh, which has been well-documented on this show, yes, it has, uh, Dave. the 2021 season has not played out the way we all had thought. You know, Coming off of uh, three postseason appearances in the last four years, back-to-back American League Central Division championships, a fairly active offseason where we tried to add to this team. Um, clearly the 21 season has, has, has been a challenge on all fronts. And so I think, you know, there's just, there's no getting around that that's really the driving force in terms of interest level in teams. It, it certainly drives our attendance at target field. It drives our listenership across our radio network. And yes, it drives our viewership on Valley sports North. You know, I think there's other factors that play some role in it. Uh, it's hard to gauge Michael. Uh, and nor do I have the data to, to, to demonstrate what impact uh, uh, the, the ongoing shift in viewership and the, the move from traditional cable and satellite to, to streaming and, 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 and again, the well-documented gap that exists right now for a lot of people in the streaming world. 
Uh, my sense of it is that has some impact on that number. Uh, I also sense that the Minneapolis-St. Paul DMA probably over-indexes a little bit in terms of streamers compared to some other markets. So we're digging into that, trying to better understand it. Uh, clearly, everybody is incented. And when I say everybody, I mean leagues, teams, uh, uh, providers, distributors are incented to figure out a way to deliver both a traditional distribution model, but also a streaming model. And I can assure you, those of us inside of the Twins organization are actively at the table trying to figure out how we can do that sooner versus later. And I assume, I want to circle back on the streaming thing in a minute. I assume that you've seen, like you said, if there was a 66% jump up in 2019 from 2018, you know, 18 being a season where you had a, a below 500 record. I assume you've seen these patterns in the past. Have there been other factors aside from wins and losses? Do you remember in the past that have affected TV ratings, maybe more in no. external other factors besides wins and losses? Yeah, not, not necessarily. I mean, I, I think we're in the midst of a, of a, uh, a, a really, you know, seismic shift in the way viewers consume our product. And it'd be, it'd be no different for the NHL, the NBA, or, or sports in general. And, you know, clearly at the forefront of that is a shift to streaming. But, but there's, other, there's other aspects of it in terms of the way younger demographics consume sports in terms of whether they consume it in full games or whether they consume it more in highlight packages. So I, I'm not sure there's anything historically, Michael, we can point to other than win-loss record. Uh, but viewers, uh, you know, habits have changed. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, I still think that as you think about the landscape, um, and even if you dive into baseball ratings uh, across the league, um, there are many examples where there are success stories this year, despite all those changes and all those shifting dynamics that are happening elsewhere as well. That give me a lot of optimism that as we write, as we write our team on the field and play better baseball, which I expect we will do in 2022 and beyond, we will see these ratings come back. I mean, here's the reality: as challenging as our ratings have been here locally, we're still in the upper half of Major League Baseball per capita in ratings. Um, you know, just a year ago, I think we ranked in the top uh, four in the game, and two, three years ago, I think we were number two in the game in local television ratings per capita. So this has been a great baseball market for, for television viewership. And uh, it doesn't go bad overnight, Michael. Uh, I think it speaks to a, a very challenging start. And, and obviously it, it, that start turned into a challenging spring into summer. And um, we just, uh, you know, we have to own that. And we're gonna need to figure out ways to get better and create a more compelling product for, uh, for our fans going forward. And I can assure you that's the goal here for 2022 and beyond. One one thing that the the numbers that Forbes presented did reveal is that a uh, you know aggregate the the chant the, the teams that are part of that Bally brand um, and again we that's been well documented I'm not going to go deep on that but you know YouTube and Hulu kind of being two of the bigger streamers they had baseball they had the Bally's channels which were Fox Sports North back then Fox Sports channels through the end of the last Major League season and those Bally's channels are down in aggregate this year and a lot of the other like say comcast cluster of teams are are up and again i haven't i didn't dive so deep in the numbers to see if you know some of those bally's channels just happen to be teams that are having down years things like that but how potentially frustrating is it to hear those numbers or to be confronted with those numbers and know that could be a factor in 
in your in your decline. Yeah, you know, it, it, as I said, I suspect it is somewhat of a factor, though it's hard to gauge just you know how much, Michael. But yeah, it it is frustrating. You know, I you know I think fundamental to um, our job is to ensure the accessibility of our product. So we work really hard to try to do that in a host of different ways. Clearly, viewing of our games, um, whether they be at Target Field or at home on your couch, to me seems to be a pretty uh, a core part of the way we promote our brand. And uh, when you lack that accessibility, it's a problem. So, you know, it's a major uh, point of discussion within the commissioner's office, uh, not only at Major League Baseball, but within the National Basketball Association, the NHL. And, and we talk about it all the time. And I'm hopeful that there might be a path towards uh, solving this sooner versus later. Hopefully it comes at some point prior to opening day in 2022. Clearly over the long term, I can assure you as contracts expire, um, you're going to 100% see that change. And we have two years left on our Valley Sports North agreement. And uh, and I can tell you, we're hoping to, to not have to wait those two years to solve this. We'd like to solve it sooner than that. Two years being 22 and 23. So two, two more full seasons after this. Okay, Correct. got it. Um, let me pivot to another thing. This wasn't the only thing I wanted to talk about. And I, I think, you know, obviously there's, if we're talking about some positives of this year, it's been the return to, you know, attendance at target field fans in the stands, you know, even though the product hasn't been what you wanted, I can see some enthusiasm there and people, you know, just wanting to be a part of that again. Um, let's start with the, the good piece of that is that you've been able to do that. What, what have you noticed energy wise at the ballpark this season, you know, especially as you think about last year when there was nothing essentially, you know, uh, we've seen it build, Michael, you know, we started the year at, you know, 25% capacity and even that felt really good. But as we've seen it evolve over the course of the spring into the summer, um, despite some of the challenges on the field, the energy within our crowd has been really noticeable. And, you know, there's a, there, there's certainly for a lot of people, I think there was a sense of liberation to be able to get back out to events. Um, we do a lot of surveying of our fans, both before they come and then after they come. And, you know, I think they're telling us that not only did they feel safe from a COVID perspective, they felt certainly safe from a public safety perspective, which was one of those narratives that continues to live on. But most importantly, they just enjoyed being at the ballpark and they've had a great experience. So I think I feel really good about that. I think it's, uh, you know, we'd always love to see more people here, but, but overall uh, the return of fans has gone probably as smooth as it possibly could have. And, you know, it certainly has given us an opportunity to, uh, I think, uh, you know, get back hopefully closer to normal for the, for, for the 2022 season, hopefully when we're, we're post uh, the Delta variant. Yeah. I was going to unfortunately bring that piece of it up because you, you've spent so much of the last 12 to 18 months kind of planning, replanning, thinking about COVID yeah. and, you know, just when, you know, we thought we certainly didn't necessarily think we was done, but when we thought that there was more of a rear view effect, we're now seeing the Delta variant throw uh, some of those notions out the window and obviously with with vaccines in play it's a little bit different but how are you how are you thinking about it how are you how can what's yeah. your level of concern um you know the twins business model is hardly the most important factor in COVID. it's probably not you know, the thousandth most important thing but it, it really impacts your planning how, how concerned are you about what this might do to the business model and in attendance going forward 
Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I, I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't concerned. You know, I'm concerned about a number of factors there. We've worked really hard to try to ensure the safety of our fans, our players, our staff. And, you know, we're bringing a lot of people together, not just for baseball, but we have a major concert here in, uh, in, uh, in about uh, 10 days uh, that we're going to have uh, 35,000 people here. So, you know, there's, a, there's an ongoing uh, dialogue internally uh, as well as externally with experts and with the other venues in town. You know, I think at this point, you know, short of a mask mandate coming um, from the city or the county or the state, you know, I think masks are going to probably continue to be optional in those outdoor areas. I think that's probably the biggest thing that differentiates us from some of the venues as we play outdoors. And, and, and I think our fans continue to feel safer outdoors. Uh, in indoor spaces, masks are certainly strongly recommended and uh, our staff will be wearing masks and We've made that change over the course of this homestand. Uh, we're going to continue to monitor it. Uh, this policy, uh, those protocols could change. Again, uh, I mentioned our players. Uh, we still have uh, a number of games left. And, and while we're not necessarily in a pennant race, we have an obligation to try to maintain the safety of our players and our core so, so we can hopefully finish the season in, 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 in a way that that uh, ensures the integrity of, of, of the season. So. Uh, from a major league baseball perspective, there's also a lot of dialogue about ensuring that. So, you know, it's, it's something we're watching. I think so far so good, but um, you know, it's, it's clearly uh, as, 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 as cases evolve, I suspect our protocols could evolve over the course of the last third of the season as well. I don't necessarily mean to put you on the spot with this question, but I was just thinking about it as you were answering that um, you know, there's been some, venues, some other places that have put into effect, uh, you know, either a testing or a vaccine mandate. Now, yeah. maybe you are a little bit different in that you are in primarily an outdoor space. I think people feel safer there, but is that, is, can you see that being part of the dialogue at some yeah. point? It has been part of the dialogue in terms of options. We haven't seen that uh, uh, really put into effect anywhere that I'm aware of here in our state. And at this point, there are no plans for it, but, you know, I could never say never on that. And, uh, um, you know, but, but it's certainly an option that would still be on the table for us or other teams locally to consider. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, moving on, you know, you, it's like I said at the outset, I believe, or maybe even when we were talking beforehand, you, you know, you've had so many different iterations of this team in your time as president. And even in the last, yeah. you know, several years that, you know, I've talked to you more, you've, you've spoken to my journalism class. You, you kind of have to have a message for every different year. This year feels like another, you know, another pivot from, you know, what you might have hoped of, you know, hey, World Series or, or bust. And and now, you know, sub 500, not what you wanted as you kind of think about the messaging going forward. How do you how do you think about how you kind of frame where this yeah. team is at right now from, you know, from your job perspective, not, you know, not a Derek Falvey or a Thad Levine, but, but from a, you know, from a, a team messaging standpoint. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, going into 2022, I think we, we, we hope we'll be going in in a, in a more stable environment in terms of health and safety, right? Uh, you know, hopefully COVID is something that's in the rearview mirror, knock on wood. I, I also hope that at that point, we're, we're going into a season with our downtown uh, c closer to normal. And uh, I think those are major factors in, in a lot of people's minds in terms of the way they feel about coming to games. You know, the on-field product is, is going to 100% be part of that narrative. Um, you know, and I'm really optimistic that you will see us bounce back. You know, I, I think there's still within our core fan base, 
uh, a tremendous amount of trust and confidence in Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and uh, what they've been able to accomplish here in a short amount of time. Um, when you think about the position player side of the ball, there's still a lot of reason for optimism. We're going to have a really good team in terms of guys that are under control, uh, guys that will report to Fort Myers and, 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 and be prepared to compete. I, I, I have really very little concern about our ability to score runs with the stable of guys that are still here, plus guys that are coming um, soon from our minor leagues. Uh, I think the big question is going to be who's going to be on the mound. And, you know, we have work to do in that space. But what gives me optimism for the future is the stable of young pitchers that we believe we're developing. And we all know inside of the Twins organization that it is absolutely critical for us to continue to develop pitching uh, that comes from our own system. We'll have to supplement it uh, through trade, through free agency in the short term. I expect that will happen, Michael. But I'm, but I'm really excited about seeing some of these younger arms uh, advance to target field. Uh, yet this season here in September, uh, but for sure next season over the course of 22 into 23. And that will be, in our mind, really central to the, the next period of sustained success for the Twins, which we think is right around the corner. Really appreciating this conversation with Twins President Dave St. Peter. One final thing for you, Dave. I had a reader who outlined some of the questions that I had already prepared and have already asked you, you know, some about the TV ratings and stuff, yeah. but then he, at the end of it, said, you know, will you please ask Dave, you know, I think he'd heard me tease this on a couple of previous podcasts, will you please ask him, have there been any pleasant surprises this season? You know, there's been plenty of unpleasant surprises, I'm sure, but what, what are maybe some of the pleasant surprises yeah. that, that you can enumerate? Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate that question. You know, a couple that come to mind, you know, one is, you know, we were one of the first venues in town, maybe the first to go completely cashless uh, with the COVID. And, uh, you know, that's gone much better than I would have thought, Michael, in terms of the way people have adapted to it in a ballpark. Uh, we, we have reverse ATM. So if you if you only have cash, you can go get you can convert that cash to a card. But that whole process has gone, uh, frankly, really well. Uh, the second part, I don't know if it's a surprise, but it certainly is an area we spend a ton of time on. And we, again, I go back to the maybe the perception here might be worse than some of the reality. But coming into the year, tremendous amount of uh, discussion and focus on public safety and people coming in and downtown, navigating, parking, coming into the ballpark. And I'm really proud and, and thankful, really, to the Minneapolis Police Department, Hennepin County Sheriff's, Downtown Improvement District, Twin Security. We have real, virtually had really zero incidents of any type in terms of people coming in and out of downtown to come to Twins games. And again, that's a fundamental peace for us. We have to continue to maintain this as a safe place to come. But in the world we've lived in the last year and a half, perceptions are what they are. And I think that's a huge uh, deal, not just for us, but for our downtown. And I'm optimistic that will continue. Uh, we have to continue to keep our eye on the ball, continue to invest, continue to focus, just as I know they will at U.S. Bank Stadium, Target Center, uh, First Avenue, all these venues as they come back alive. But I can tell you that that has gone great, and we need to continue to bat a 1,000 in that area, and we're working hard to ensure that we do. Dave, appreciate your time. As always, good luck the rest of the season, this offseason heading into 2022, and we will certainly chat with you again down the road, all right? All right, Michael. Be well, my friend. You too. Let's end with the cooler. The uh, Field of Dreams game in uh, in Iowa on Thursday night was awesome. Um you know, walk off home run by Tim Anderson, who's I love Tim Anderson. 
and you know White Sox rallying after the Yankees rallied. You had the setting. You had everything just looked perfect. Everything was it was a good idea by baseball. You weren't quite sure how they were going to pull it off, but it looked great. Um, let's make this thing, right? Let's let's do some games in, in different places. Let's let's try this Field of Dreams game again. You know, in a, in a couple of years maybe, give it a little time to to kind of you know be special instead of trying to cram it in every year. But great job by baseball to find something that the, that people could kind of rally around and have a fun game that <clears throat> that followed as well. As a subplot to that, I will go. I will reveal my top five sports movies of all time here in the cooler. Not meant to be controversial. And again, like I said at the jump, this is more just movies I like. I'm sure there are more cinematic masterpieces. This isn't like a top top five list ripped straight from some other site. So you will get uh, you will get how I feel about sports movies. And I'm not even going to cheat and put uh, put Big Lebowski on the list. I'm not going to do that. So. Number five, going in reverse chronological order, I, Tanya, the uh, figure skating movie from a few years ago about Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan. Love, love, love that movie. I thought it was so well done, so well told, just you know, the right tone in it. Um, so that's my number five sports movie. Number four, Field of Dreams. I, it, maybe it's a cliche movie at this point. It still gets me. It, I still upon rewatching which has been a little while um it still holds up in the right ways so i put field of dreams the kind of the impetus of course for this game the other day um you know with everything going on at number four number three white man can't jump just one of the funnest movies of all time just if you if you ever picked i played a ton of pickup basketball when i was a little bit younger haven't played as much lately um just the spirit of trash talk the the characters in that movie wesley snipes and um, Woody Harrelson, perfectly cast. Rosie Perez, awesome. Just a great, great movie about the hustle and everything like that. Number two, Slapshot. Hockey movie, classic. Telling the story of you know the Charlestown Chiefs, just you know the, the season, the minor league hockey, just everything about it, just the reality, but the but the complete bizarreness of it, just the perfect mix of everything. So funny, memorable characters, the Hanson brothers, Ogie Oglethorpe, everything like that. Slapshot, number two. Number one, Bull Durham. I just love it. Again, minor leagues, that's where it's at. You get the most emotion. You get the most characters, just like Slapshot. Bull Durham, so much fun. I've probably watched that movie 10 times. Spent a little while for that one as well, but that one holds up too in a lot of the key ways, just like Field of Dreams. So good job, Kevin Costner. Good job, everybody. And uh, that is my top five list. Thanks for listening all week. Should have some good stuff coming up next week as well. Expected to be joined by Gophers defensive coordinator Joe Rossi on a show next week. And uh, probably Spencer Hall, um, college football maven extraordinaire, funny guy. Um, you know, every day should be Saturday was kind of his, uh, his calling card for a while, but now he's done a whole bunch of great stuff. So looking forward to that conversation as well. Have a great weekend. Listen back at all this week's episodes. If you haven't had a chance, download this podcast. Always read Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. We'll get you again on Monday after you hopefully have a great weekend.